good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Thank you for listening once more to the ministry of Let the Bible Speak. Today's program is the second part of a message on the subject of abortion, looking particularly at the worldview of those who promote this in our society. If you'd like to receive the full unedited version, please contact us at malvernfpc at yahoo.com. I trust the Word of God will be a benefit to your soul today. Well, please turn your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs and the chapter number 26. And let's read just two verses of Proverbs 26. I want to read the verses 4 and 5. The wise man says, Answer, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. I think we were all taken aback by the scenes in New York as the Legislators there applauded and celebrated the extension of the abortion laws in that state. And as I watched some of those scenes, what came to my mind was, just what are they thinking? What's the worldview that rests behind such actions? It's out of the heart that these things flow. So what's in the heart and the mind of the ungodly that they would celebrate the extension of such wicked laws? How would they rejoice in laws giving freedom to people to destroy life? And so tonight, I'd like to answer a fool according to his folly. They have to be wise in his own conceit. I want to examine just in three areas tonight. Again, I'm very mindful, I read broadly in the past week, and I'm, I'm very mindful that there are very, very many avenues of thought that we can go down. I, I want to restrict myself to three. But I think by the end you will see that there are three vital areas of thinking that will, I trust, uh, seal the situation within our own minds. And the first thing is this. Their thinking is wrong regarding the nature of humanity. What makes a human being human? And what constitutes life? The thing is, by absolutely any scientific definition, the embryo is alive. How does the scientific world then define humanity? How do we know that something is human and not a dog? How do we understand humanity? Well, of course, it's by our DNA. There is no point between conception and birth, where a human being becomes more human or more living. The unborn child, going back to the fetus, going back to the embryo, is a living human being. So we understand there are various stages of maturity or development, but not any development in the essence of what constitutes living humanity. The unborn child is living human being. And that true scientific view of humanity is entirely in accord with the teaching of Scripture. 
The unborn child is always deemed a human being in Scripture. This matter is of vital importance. The pro-abortion movement are wrong in their thinking regarding the nature of humanity. Some pro-lifers have felt frustration at the difficulty of winning the moral argument. Presenting these things and yet seemingly getting nowhere. And so I, I remember a time... Again, in, in my early medical experience, I remember a time when people were presenting papers regarding the harm that abortion does to the woman. I remember those things coming out. There was a, a movement amongst the pro-lifers to indicate the harm to the woman through the act of abortion. And let me be clear, it is harmful to them in so many ways. But in so doing, there was a tendency to dilute the argument that if we move away from asserting that to kill the unborn is to kill a living human being, we must not move away from that basic principle. We must be clear that this is an act of murder. What is startling, as I say, is that many Americans still view the unborn as a human being. And yet they still believe that abortion should be legal. That is the confusion in their thinking. They argue the fetus is human but still not a baby. And therefore is not entitled to the same rights as the newborn. That thinking is folly. It makes no sense scientifically and certainly not biblically. Well, yes, I understand there are differences between the unborn and the newborn. Differences in dependence, differences in physiology. But no difference in the nature of humanity. The location of the baby doesn't change the humanity of the baby. In the womb, out of the womb, no more human, no less human. Location makes no difference. And so the abortion lobby are thinking wrongly. Or else they're consciously guilty of putting a human being to death. It's interesting that one of the conflicts that's taking place at this time is that as states would seek to promote the legalization of abortion in various forms, they are coming into conflict with their own laws. There is, even within this own state, and I got some help from a friend on this one, there is still, in the statute books, there is still an act punishable as first-degree murder of killing the unborn, except in the case of abortion when a mother consents to that act. We must answer the fool according to their folly. Their thinking is so confused regarding the nature of humanity. Their thinking is also wrong regarding what I call autonomy. Their thinking is wrong regarding autonomy. Autonomy, of course, refers to self-law. The two words, nomos for law, auto-self, self-law. Right. One of the things you may hear from time to time is that the pro-abortion lobby, they seek to defend abortion on the right of individual privacy. I don't want to get into that so much today. They would argue the government can't interfere with the private actions of individuals. And so they uphold privacy. Surely the government must defend life and punish evil, though. But having said that, I want to look at the issue of autonomy. The encyclopedia of Philosophy says this, personal autonomy is the capacity to decide for oneself 
and pursue a course of action in one's life, often regardless of any particular moral content. Basically, autonomy asserts that you have the right to do with yourself as you please. How often have you heard that? In abortion, autonomy is heard in the words, it is my right to do what I want to with my own body. That's the language of asserting autonomy. It's my right to do with my body as I please. I dug up an old article I wrote a number of years ago for the Vision magazine in Northern Ireland. I wrote about the woman's right over her body. I said this, as Christians, we live with the understanding that we don't have the ultimate right over our bodies. We don't have the right to do as we please with our bodies, but must only do those things with our bodies that please the Lord. What is more, the unborn child within the woman's body is not truly part of her body. The unborn is genetically distinct entity with his or her, his or, sorry, his or her own DNA profile. So when you think about the issue of autonomy, there is confused thinking again. The woman asserts, I have the right to do with my body as I please. But I'm telling you very clearly, scientifically and biblically, the unborn child is within her body, but not part of her body. It is genetically distinct. It's got his or her own DNA. She has no right to do as she pleases with an individual living human being. But having said that, I want to think even about the issue of autonomy itself. Autonomy must be correctly understood. The whole concept of autonomy must be rightly defined. Of course, rightly defined, we are responsible for our own actions. Rightly defined, you're an autonomous individual and you must stand before God and give an account for your own actions before God. In that sense, there is autonomy. But autonomy does not give us the right to do as we please. We must exercise self-control. We must govern our conduct within external constraint. Our conduct is in the light of sense and scripture under a higher authority. Even the self-confessed atheist knows that they're accountable. They know there's a higher being to whom they must give an account. And therefore the Bible says they're without excuse. Romans 1 and 2. The Bible is very clear that our autonomy is a submissive autonomy under a higher authority, namely God. And where do you see that? Every page of this book. There's not one page that you don't see the fact that God has the highest authority and that our conduct must be governed under the authority of God. Therefore, we do not have the right to do as we please with our own bodies. When God made Adam and Eve, they were not given the right to do with their bodies as they pleased. You do not have the right, Adam, to use your own hand and take that fruit and put it in your mouth and chew it and swallow it. Adam, you do not have the right to do with your body as you please. You will do with your body that which pleases me. You come down the line, you come to Mount Sinai. God speaks to his people Israel. And he addresses them with the, the moral law. I shall not kill. Every conservative, reformed interpreter understands thou shalt not kill to also apply to self-murder. 
you do not have the right to do with your body as you please. You come, of course, all the way through to the Lord's Prayer. As we pray in the Lord's Prayer, we're praying, Thy will be done. Not that I would do my will, but that I would do the will of God. You have the sense of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You've been bought with a price. You're belonging to God. Your body and spirits, they're God's. What do you do? You're therefore to glorify God. Autonomy is under divine authority. And therefore, when the abortion lobby, when they say, we can do as we please with our own bodies, their thinking is wrong. Their worldview is wrong. And they've forgotten that they will give an account to a higher authority, namely God. So their thinking is wrong regarding autonomy. Thirdly and finally, their thinking is wrong regarding morality. Here I need to define some terms. Obviously this whole, this whole thing has been about morals and morality. But I'm thinking about how the pro-abortionist is confused regarding a standard of morality. What constitutes morality? For the pro-abortion lobby, they must be working without a fixed sense or a fixed set of moral principles. They're working on the basis of popular opinion or situations, pragmatic, utilitarian ethics. They're thinking this wrong regarding morality. Let me explain that. They work on the basis of ethical confusion. The end is used to justify the means. The end must never be the reason to defend our conduct. Let me explain that some further. What I mean by that is that the outcome is used to determine the right course of action. Now here I think it must be very clear. We are wrong. And we present a wrong argument when we present abortion as an easy solution. All the data proves that Bar very, very, very few individuals, abortion is a very, very difficult situation. I've seen people in crisis. I've seen people in crisis looking for an abortion. And I will testify that not one of them came with a sense of, I just want to get this over with, hurry up, fix me. The thinking of the pro-abortion movement is that they believe that having an abortion is the best way to deal with a terrible situation. That's pretty much it for every abortion. That they find themselves in a situation that they would rather not be in. And and you can go down the list of the various reasons for abortion. And and all of those, they all come to the same point. It's a terrible situation. And the best way out is to have an abortion. The thinking is that it would be better for me to have an abortion than to carry and then have the baby. It is situational ethics, a decision is determined by a concept of the outcome, not by a fixed standard of morality. That is not, that is not the right way to view ethics. There are fixed standards of morality. Right is right, wrong is wrong. And though we may look at an outcome as being a better outcome, it is always better to do right. Though it costs us than to do wrong and try to avoid the cost. 
The thinking is wrong regarding this issue of morality. The end must never be used to justify the means to the end. But the thinking in this regard of morality is also wrong when you examine how people manipulate thinking regarding the use of language. We're thinking about a fixed standard of morality. So what do the pro-abortion lobby come to us with? How have they began to defend this? Well, you know the story. You know what happened. There's been a progress in this through the years. Initially, we are pro-choice. Who are you to tell somebody else what to do? This is a matter of individual freedom and individual choice. It then moved from pro-choice to being a matter of rights. Women's rights. Equal rights. Women must have the same right to be not pregnant as men. That was the essence of thinking. We must have equal rights. We must not be constrained by pregnancy in a way that a man is not constrained. And so they manipulated language. Talking about rights and equality. Things that sound laudable. Things that even sound constitutional. The rights of humanity. The greatest movement in this language manipulation in recent times has been to speak of this as reproductive health. How dare they so misuse language? There is nothing reproductive about it and it's not healthy. And yet that is a language being used. Who are you to, to stand against a woman's right to reproductive health, to full reproductive rights? When I, when I came out of medical school, as a class, before we graduated, we had to, we had to go to another building in the, in the room, and our names were on a list. And we had to sign an oath. The first principle of which was, first, do no harm. Health, first, do no harm. The Bible is clear. We are to love our neighbor, whether they be born or unborn. The Bible is clear that we are to open our mouth to the dumb in the cause of all such as are pointed to destruction. That's the text that Mr. Barnes used for the title of this book. It is not healthy. It is not a matter of rights. It's a matter of confused thinking regarding morality. And you can't help but feel that people are deliberately calling evil good and good evil. In the spirit of Isaiah chapter 5, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There is confused thinking regarding the issue of morality. And so in conclusion, let me remind you about these basic principles of life and conduct. God has a fixed standard of morality. We refer to it as God's law. The law that is on two tables. Two tables in Sinai, but also upon the table of every man's heart. A conscience whereby they know that good is good and evil is evil. And within their own spirit there is an understanding. Deep within them. 
of God's fixed standard of morality. Not morality that fluctuates and moves with the times or with the popular opinion, but a, a fixed standard. And I remind you that man is responsible to live under that standard. Man has an obligation, not autonomy, but submission to divine authority. To live under that standard. A standard that when we break it, we are guilty before God. God is clearly seen in the word of God to value life. Did you ever notice that there's a, a line that runs through the Bible, a line of life? God places Adam in the garden the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Adam sins. He's put out of the garden, away from the tree of life. And then Christ comes that they might have life. Eternal life is knowing God and Jesus Christ. So that those who overcome, they enter into glory and they eat of the tree of life. The God of the Bible values life and has given his son to secure eternal life. And in a culture of easy death, How are we going to come against that culture but by presenting the gospel of a God who values life? And so, there are some of you right now, and if I asked you right now, you would say with all of your heart, abortion is wrong. Abortion should not take place. But yet at the same time, you are asserting your own autonomy. You're asserting that autonomy to your parents or to your spouse or to somebody else. And you're saying to them, you have no right to tell me what I should live like. You're denying the fact that God is authoritative over your life. And you're choosing as someone who's against abortion. You're saying, I have the right to do with my body as I please. You're no different. And the poor woman who finds herself in a planned parenthood clinic. Make sure you take the beam out of your eye before you take the speck out of somebody else's eye. We live under that authority. And you do not value your life enough that you'd find yourself having true life in Christ Jesus. You view your own life as being cheap because you're on your way to a lost eternity and to damnation, which is called in the Bible the second death. And as you run towards death, you oppose those who defend abortion, but you're running on your way towards death. Don't you see your hypocrisy? Don't you see that you're, you're no different? Oh, I I urge you with all of my soul, I urge you, find life tonight. Find life in Christ tonight. Because God has given his son that we might have life. Abortion is a tragic sin against God. My heart breaks for those women who believe they have no other option. We condemn their actions. 
Dear people, please. See them as sinners in need of a Savior. We, we rightly, we rightly condemn the woman who would destroy her unborn child. But as we offer those words of condemnation, may we be clear that they know there is forgiveness with the Lord. And that they can join murderers like Moses and David in glory with Christ forevermore. There is mercy with the Lord. And we as Christians, we need to seek by God's grace to reach those souls, that they understand that there are other options. And that we as Christians need to come forward and be willing to rescue children. To rescue those who find themselves being children of mothers who are in terrible crisis. We're only sinners saved by grace. I hope our hearts are in the right place in this situation. Rightly, rightly, we hate the sin in this present world. Let us make sure that we're zealous in bringing Christ to those who need the Savior. They need to know the hope that's found in Christ and in Christ alone. And God, be pleased to bless his word and send revival and will change our times. Let's bow together in prayer. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, humbly once more we come into thy presence. We thank you for the, the word of God again to our souls tonight. Help us, O oh Lord, to have the right thinking. We would see the folly of the unbeliever and that they would see their folly. And then seeing their folly, they would repent and find the wisdom that's found in Christ alone. Bless the word, bless our young people. Help them to have backbone in a difficult day. That they would stand against these things. Oh God, we pray you'd save, save souls in the midst tonight even. That they would value their own lives. And find refuge from death in Christ Jesus. Answer prayer, we pray. Take us home in safety. May your blessing rest and abide upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170. That's 610-993-3170. Or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.